this is the In The Cove podcast. Welcome to the In The Cove podcast. My name's Rob Caldor. And my name's Jackie Barker and I'm the founder of In The Cove. Jackie, we are being very socially responsible and doing this podcast via Zoom. We are, Rob. We're really taking our 1.5 metres to the extreme, but I think it's the best way to go. I'm trying to stay just locally and wear my mask whenever I'm in an indoor setting. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're at that stage in Sydney at the moment where we've got to be extra careful so this awful pandemic doesn't get bigger than it should be. We're, we're doing a very special summer series. We are, Rob. What we decided to do was we know that a lot of you are on holidays and you've got time to listen to podcasts and you may not have had a chance to listen to some of our previous podcasts. So we've picked out three speakers who we thought you might like to hear or hear again. We're going to play them and uh, catch up on something you might have missed out on. So we're going to speak to Simon Kennedy, our local Trump impersonator. Thank God he's out of a job, huh? Jackie, we will see. In 2020, nothing was taken for granted. Hopefully, things become a bit more normal in 2021. Simon was great to meet, but we we also speak to Jill Batt who's the CEO of Sydney Community Services. And Jill spoke to us about how busy they were during COVID. And at the time we thought, well, things might've calmed down, but things might start to ratchet up again for her. Let's hope it doesn't. It's very interesting. She, she certainly is, and she gives some great advice for those worried about, you know, how they can cope in these challenging times. Mm-hmm. And finally, we speak to Paul Bennett, who I would describe as your ultimate Renaissance fan. I think you're right. Paul is um, a colourful local identity that's seen around um, town. And since we spoke to him, Rob, he has appeared in a Kellogg's commercial um, and he's appearing in a quite a few other little commercials. So I believe that we really discovered him. I, I, I think so. So looking forward to speaking to them. Okay, let's go. You're listening to In The Cove, the podcast. Sleepy Tom Gleason is not good. He's the opposite of good. He's ungood. This is fantastic. I, I love it here in the Cove. It's almost as good as Riverview or Longueville. I'm with Simon Kennedy, local comedian and expert Trump impersonator. And when I say local comedian, I mean a comedian who has been, who has performed all over Australia on every network, but he just happens to live in Lang Cove. And he's very funny. And I don't know if you ever saw him at the Alcott when he did some Lang Cove jokes, but he had them rolling in the aisles. And um, so I know Simon quite well. And I was, wanted to speak to him because of COVID-19 and what it's done to the live entertainment industry. Hello. And I, I've got to say, I'm not sure if they were rolling in the aisles at the old court. They didn't technically have aisles. So they were kind of rolling between tables, I think, and into the pokey room. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> Simon, tell me, how did you, how did you get into comedy? Uh, look, 20 years ago. It was, the sea was angry that day, my friends. And it was, it was September 1999, actually, is where I first set foot on stage and doing an open mic comedy night. And... Um, yeah, and I thought I had I had the arrogance of a young man, a twenty-five-year-old man who uh, uh, thought, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm funny. People need to hear this." And um, look, I wasn't amazing when I started, but uh, I just kept going and kept getting back up. And um, yeah, eventually, some someone started paying me money. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it for twenty years, uh, and then some. It takes a lot of guts to get up in front of people and be funny. Look, you know, I say people often say, "Oh, comedy—that must be the hardest job in the world." Um, they say that a lot, uh, and I say it, it is if you're bad at it. 
Like if you if you're crap at comedy, it is the hardest job in the world. But not if you like it. Not if you you know not if you adapt adapt at it. I mean, I, I love it. I, I do not want a real job. Um, so I, I'm happy people think it's hard because it leaves more work for me. So I saw um, a segment that you posted on LinkedIn showing how you'd pivoted during the COVID-19 and you've set up the most amazing studio in your Lancove home. It has a green screen, a sound booth and you do lots of Zoom. So tell me exactly how you do it and how people could contact you if they wanted uh, some, wanted Simon to be involved with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously when um, when COVID really hit hard, um, they just turned the tap right off on live performance and that is pretty bad for business, right? Um, for, for musicians, for comedians and, and various, you know, even yoga teachers, for instance. But um, for, for me, I'm like, well... This kind of sucks. I guess I'm going to be very quiet this year. And um, it was actually one of the one of the one of the dads from school um, who's a local. Um, uh, big shout out to Mick Lubinskis, who uh, works. You know, he's an innovator and works in startups and that sort of thing. And he said to me, "Hey, have you ever thought about you know doing comedy shows on Zoom?" This is this is as it all just fell apart. I think he might have read my Facebook post saying I had about fifty gigs cancelled today, and uh, and my immediate thought was, "Yeah, that'd never work." You know, and uh, because. It's all about that live interaction. What happens in the cove stays in the cove. Just try it. And so I did a, a sort of a Zoom show, if you, if you want, for his team. I said, look, I'll do it for your team and let's see what happens. Let's see how it works. And I worked out what worked and what didn't. And I went, I can improve on that. The bits that worked really worked. Um, so I kept you know, adapting it all, changing it. And what I've ended up with is a product that actually does work. I mean, it's not stand-up, live stand-up. It's different. It's a new format. And um, and I think I've worked out how it works. And I've been doing quite a few of them recently. And, um, you know, my manager is really, you know, he's supportive because he's like, well... <laughs> well, he's like, whatever we can do, because um, I've got... I'm out of ideas here. And uh, so he's been really good at marketing things and making it happen with corporates and corporate clients. So, yeah, so... Here we are, um, months into it, and you know I'm probably doing, um, you know, maybe three a week, two or three a week of these things. Um, obviously, Victoria have quite the the, the urge with their lockdown; um, they need it. Um, yeah, so um, so if you do want to, you know, get it for your company, um, just just hit up Mark. He's at standupcomedians.com.au. Um, easy to remember that. Um, yeah, and it's actually I'm kind of enjoying it. I, th- I think one of the interesting things about the you know the Zoom world that we're in at the moment, and it's actually similar for podcasts. That strangely, although you're um, you know performing, it feels quite intimate when you're on these Zoom chats or with that person. Like it does feel one to one. And stand ups, obviously, you get the energy from the audience traditionally. But are you finding that you're you know you feel closer to the people that you're performing to? It, it is more intimate. It's a really good observation. Um, it, you know, you have the crowd and you can interact with the front row, um, but it's still very much... But, but it, you feel like you're, like you're literally in someone's house. Like, I, I'll get someone on there and go, hey, you know, Janine, how are you going? Um, uh, love what you've done with your hair and uh, you might want to close the cupboard behind you because I can see you're washing, you know, things like that. So it actually is very intimate. Um, and it, it's different and I think I liken it a bit more and I've had many years in in radio um so um i started when i was a, a young bloke in radio regional radio and, and one thing you learn when you're in radio is a it's um you're not talking to an audience in radio you're talking to one person 
at a time on multiple levels. Um, so it's a very, it's a very personal communication. So um, I found that those skills that I learned through doing radio came into play doing this Zoom. I basically, I reckon I've joined together radio and stand-up together because what I'm doing is I'm doing jokes knowing that I won't hear the audience um, laugh. I can see them laughing, which is okay. So, you know, that you can see their heads fly back and see them smiling. I'm like, okay, it's working, you know. Has anyone fallen off their chair with laughter? Oh, I don't – not that I'm aware of. They might have switched the video off for that bit. Um, <laughs> I've had some interesting – I did have um, a group that I was doing it – doing a Zoom thing for and, and a girl I was, I was – I do one-on-one when I'm doing it. So I talk to the group and then I'll take someone and talk to them for a bit, uh, you, know, you know, do some of my jokes, do one person in a way with everyone else. There's one girl um, down in Victoria and her flatmate walked past with no shirt on. Um, it was a bloke, so it was nothing oh. weird. But, but it was definitely a bit of a – well, this, that's not a very corporate thing, is it? Um, I say, your, your, your flatmate, he's, he's ripped, isn't he? <laughs> What's going on there? You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's this, interesting. This is fascinating, Simon, that you've taken a live performance and you've adapted and you've moved on and it's great that people – there's so many corporates in Lane Cove that, should, um, that need someone like you. So, again, how do they find you? Yeah, look, I mean, honestly, I mean, I've got a website. You can just go to simonkennedy.com, which is really easy, and then you, you can click through to whoever needs me there. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a multifaceted individual. I mean, you, you, to keep in Australia, to make a, you know, a good living out of entertainment, you've got to be, you've always got to be willing to pivot. Um, you know, so, so this year, it is unusual, but trying new things isn't unusual for me. Um, like I say, I, I started out in radio when I was about 23 uh, and worked in that realm, worked out that I really wanted to get in front of people. So, turned my hand to stand-up comedy and was doing stand-up comedy and radio at the same time whilst also writing for people, you know, like copywriting and commercial and doing voiceover work. So for me, it's not unusual to, yeah, to, to make a sharp lift. I just want to say thank you too for all the, the um, community work you've done. Simon has every year been the MC at the Lane Cove Cats sports dinner, which again, sports lunch, which again, we haven't had this year. And people love you there. And it's amazing because you are a great MC and you're very funny. And I have to say, uh, when you've got Warwick Kappa as one of the guests and you managed to keep him under control, that was a work of art, basically, <laughs> because that man can go off. Warwick Kappa, that, that was one of the, that was certainly an interesting, you know, geez. Um, I, I was listening to some Van Halen last week and, uh, you know, because Eddie Van Halen, we lost him the other way. And I, I love Van Halen, always did. And I think about, about David Lee Roth, who was the front man of Van Halen, I think of him as the Warwick Kappa of music. Like, like these characters, they're so large, they're larger than life. You wonder if they, are they idiots or are they just geniuses pretending to be idiots? I don't know. But Warwick was certainly entertaining in ways uh yeah that was it i was on my toes kept me on my toes I, I love doing the lane cove cat cats um sports lunches i mean i mean you say it's one you're nice for me to do it but quite frankly it's nice for them to support me as a local uh performer get me involved as well like uh and that is one thing that's great about lane cove is that so many um so much reciprocal 
support that goes on. Um, so you do something, you know, you might do one thing for free and someone comes back with, with a job for you. And, you know, and, that's, and you don't always expect it. You don't do it because of that. But it is, that's one great thing about this town is that um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very supportive community. I, I, I kind of dig that, you know. I love the way how Simon just called Lankhove a town. It's like our own little city yeah, within the city. It could be a country town, with, but not in the country. I know, yeah. I know. Um, so that leads me to my next, well, one of my next questions, and that is you haven't been able to do any local um, Lane Cove gigs. So what do you like? You've just told me what you like about living here, but what's your favourite sort of Lane Cove joke or funny thing to say? And I'm putting you on the spot, so... Yeah, you are. Um, I was just the joke that Lane Cove was so white. Like that was because I grew up in the western suburbs uh, of Sydney, you know, where it was so multicultural. Uh, it's, it's actually changed a lot, though. Um, so it's not te- technically true. But when I first moved here, um, my wife and I'm like, you know, where are all the, where are all the brown people? Like, where are all the people who? Why is it so white here? Because uh, we both had, you know, uh, lived in these multicultural spots and this and that. Uh, but but it has changed so much over the last sort of thirteen years, almost that I've been here. Uh, and and I love that. I love the diversity that's that's that crept in to Lane Cove. Um, so I used to make that joke, but it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't apply. Um, I think the place is really mixed up. It's wonderful now. So. Uh, yeah, that didn't work so much. Um, I think, um, yeah, what what were the jokes? I, I don't know. I don't want to end up in Tom Gleeson situation. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I'll let you think about that. But while you're while you're thinking about that, I just want everyone to know that another string to Simon's bow is I think he is the best Donald Trump impersonator in Australia. What do you think, Simon? Do you think that this that you're great? Oh, that's a that's a big one. You know what? I was um. I was driving to Orange actually to do some shows the other the other week, and I was questioning, you know, uh, everything. You know, is there a God? I don't know all that sort of stuff. And then I heard on the radio that Trump got COVID. I'm like, well, okay, maybe there's a God. I don't know. Um, and and but I but I, I wanted to hear what he had to say. But he was quiet for a little while on it. But I wanted to hear him come out and tell everyone he got he was diagnosed. He goes. You know, I tested positive. I, I tested positive to COVID. More positive than anyone else has ever tested. The most positive ever. In fact, they did, they did my temperature. The numbers were so high. Incredibly high. Higher than anyone. It's amazing. I got better COVID than sleepy Joe Biden. Okay? So good. Um, I think I, I do a pretty good job. You, you do. <laughs> and in fact, if anyone needs a Donald Trump impersonator again, simonkennedy.com. Now... I just want other people to know that not only is Simon a great comedian, but Simon also has written the most amazing book. And we're going to get Simon back later on a podcast. And I think I might even dedicate a full podcast because it's such an amazing story. So we're just going to touch on it now and then um, get you back because the the subject matter needs much more than a short interview. Um, So, Simon, your book is called 9-11 and the Art of Happiness. Just could you tell me why you wrote that book? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, so my mother uh, was a passenger on Flight Seventy Seven that crashed into the Pentagon, and so that that's been obviously part of my life story since two thousand and one. And it's something I kept very much under a bushel for a long time. I didn't want to be, you know, known for that. I didn't want too much attention because of that. Um, so basically, I didn't, uh, I didn't talk about it publicly. I didn't let people. People knew me knew. Um, uh, and uh, and I kind of felt like the story was being told by other people, like you know, constantly reading articles. I'm like, you know what? 
I think I, I would like to be the one to tell this story if that's okay. So I did write the book. Um, and yeah, I'm glad I did because I kind of, you know, one thing about a book as opposed to if you do an interview or whatever you do is is you really do control the story from, from A to Z or Z, whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wanted to do that and, and so I did. So that was released in 2014 um, and has been ticking along ever since and really glad it's out there because people um, people respond to it in a really lovely way. Um, so I want people to go out and buy 9-11 in the Art of Happiness and read it so that when we interview you again, they'll just they'll know exactly what it's about. So where could they where can they buy it? Is it's online, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in the Burns Bay Bookery. Oh, it's in the Burns Bay Bookery. Yeah, get down there. Okay. Yeah, buy, buy them out, then I'll give them some more. Um, and, uh, uh, and the Burns Bay Bookery is located on Burns Bay Road, not far from the old Coles building. Uh, that's near BWS. I, that's how people know. You know what? I, it's Lane Cove. People drink a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should have said BWS. I'm a non-drinker, so that's probably yeah, why that's I right. didn't do it. But yeah. we're, we're responsible drinkers in, yeah. in the Cove podcast. Right. Sorry, that's, how I, that's how I know where it's being sold. <laughs> so um, Burns Bay Bookery and... Um, and it is in the library, of course, um, yeah. in Lane, Lane Cove Library, which is where I wrote a, a lot of the book, mm. Lane Cove Library. I sat in that library and wrote a lot of it. Um, and um, I think they've even got a stack of them for their book club um, thing. so I've, I've interviewed quite a lot of authors in, in my time and you'd be amazed how many authors write books in libraries. I think there's something about the ability to be in a public place but quiet. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, I had, um, when I was writing it, we had, um, you know, a, I think a toddler at home and stuff like that and it was all a bit crazy. Um, so, yeah, I just walked up the road and went to the library and um, it's great. I, I wrote it. I reckon I, I reckon I wrote about fifty percent of the book there. Um, a bunch of it I also wrote the Stanton, not Stanton Library, the um, in the in the in the New South Wales Library, that beautiful the Mitchell um, Library, Mitchell, the Mitchell, gorgeous room that is. So you sit there and you feel smarter when you're surrounded by books like that. You're That's like, why I wear glasses. People assume yeah. there's like I, these actually do nothing, but they give me ten IQ points. The for goggles they do nothing. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's well, it's, you're surrounded by books. You think well, some of it's got to sink in somehow. I don't know. Fun fact. The Langcove Library has one of the highest borrowing rates of any library in New South Wales. It's a good library. It's a brilliant library. It's yeah. brilliant. And they really, if you want to find any information about Langcove, you just email the local studies section of the Langcove Library and they'll come back to you with the information. It is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, no, we, we love it. And um, yeah, we, we spend, have spent a lot of time there. You know, with the kids, our kids are a bit bigger now, but uh, they still go in there. Um, it's good. It's so really good. Well, Simon, thank you so much. As I said, I really want to get you back when we can do a full podcast. And um, good luck on Election Day, which is what, yeah. November, the first Tuesday in November? It is Melbourne Cup, so you can bet on two races here. <laughs> it's, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the election coming up? Because obviously, you know, getting Trump uh, re-elected will bring you some business. However, it may kind of send the world into a bit of an Armageddon spin. Yeah, look, I, I honestly, people say, oh, you don't want him to leave because of, of the comedy. And you know what? The world and and uh, and the, the peace uh, that could be created with that man gone is far more important to me than any joke I could write. And on the flip side as well, there's nothing I could come up with that is, pardon me, is crazy, as the stuff that Trump comes out with himself. So he's transcending comedy right now. There's no point even parodying it. Because he he's ruined it for everyone. So no, we're going, well, I'm going with Biden. 
Thank you so much, Simon. You're an absolute delight. I love um, seeing you around Lang Cove and thank you so much for supporting In The Cove. You've been a terrific supporter of us. Thanks, Jackie. In The Cove, is, it's an institution and, uh, and many of us belong in institutions. Today's podcast is sponsored by Centro. Centro is located in the um, Burns Bay Road complex on Waterview Drive and they are your ultimate convenience store. They also have a barista coffee but what they have Rob which you might like is they have a big selection of food that you can't necessarily find in supermarkets. For example there's lots of American foods like Twinkies and then there's Brazilian food, there's Asian food but also it's a really convenient place because it's open from 7 till I think 11 and it's very convenient if you live in Riverview and you just want to cross Burns Bay Road and, and um, pop on up for a coffee and um, grab some convenience items. So look forward to meeting you at Centro because they've got one other thing, Rob, and that is they've implemented Husky Cups. Now, Jack, Jackie's a dog lover. I can't believe they would make a, a cup out of a Husky. <laughs> no, it's actually made out of um, a coffee husk and they're reusable. Now, I know with COVID we've all said, oh, reusable cups, they're a no-no. Well, in fact, what happens is that you buy a cup, you then take it to your barista, your barista puts it straight in their commercial dishwasher and they use a new one. So it's exactly the same as if you were sitting in a, in a coffee shop using one of their um, cups that they'd put through their commercial uh, dishwasher. So that is program is being sponsored by the Lane Cove Council and will be rolled out in the new year. Uh, so look forward to that um, and it's definitely at Centro and we'll tell you more, more we've got more information on Husky on our website. What happens in the Cove stays in the Cove. Jill Batt is the CEO of Sydney Community Services, such an invaluable organisation within the Lang Cove Council area and the Hunters Hill area. Hi Jill, how are you? Hello Jackie, yes I'm fine. The Sydney Community Services has so many different services you offer. We have um, a whole range of support services which are really designed to help people stay at home. So that goes from things like home modifications, building people ramps, putting in um, bathrooms and kitchens that are actually uh, modified for them. Um, we do maintenance. So it, might, it can go from replacing a light bulb, which we do for free, or um, a smoke alarm. We then also have um, nurses who provide community nursing and, if necessary, will go in every day. Um, we give people showers, we do Meals on Wheels, we do um, linen, which is, uh, I think, one of the most valuable services, which is giving people fresh, clean sheets and bedding and towels every other week. Um, then we also offer podiatry for people who can't get out, uh, medical transport if you need to get somewhere, um, we do respite care for um, people who have maybe got elderly um, parents uh, who, you know, they're looking after but need, you know, a bit of time away from them, you know, and a, a day off. So we, we provide that. We do uh, group services for people with disability. Obviously, servicing the elderly is very important, but you also do for people who have got um, disabilities and disadvantaged people within the community. Um, 
We do trips as well. We take people out for bus trips. Our aim is to help anybody who's disadvantaged in the community. Um, generally, it's not through our sort of main funded services, but you know, a lot of people in Lane Cove probably don't realise that they are actually living alongside someone who has got a great front, but maybe is actually doing it quite tough. And uh, we we do get to know about that and where we can. We try and provide support and aid and, you know, help them out as much as possible. So we get our funds from a range of different organisations. We get some funding for supporting older people from the federal government. We get support for some of our more community services from the state government. And then we get a significant amount of support from Lane Cove Council, Hunters Hill Council and also Ride Council. So there's those three different forms of support. Most of the aged and disability support, though, does come through grants from the federal government. And they have all sorts of strings attached and acquittals and all sorts of things that we have to do and hoops, increasingly more and more hoops. So the way that people now access our services is generally having to go through what they call a gateway. A gateway is either My Age Care, which is online, or you can do it by phone. And then for, in, for people with disability, it's through the NDIS. So how do people access the service? Um, you can either email, and that's support at sydneycs.org, or you could phone us on 9427 6425, or you could just pop in. Um, and also we do have another office at 46 Gladesville Road in Hunters Hill. So generally if you just you know pop in and call us, um, we can then work out exactly what sort of support you need, and it might be face-to-face or it could be on the phone. That's what I thought, because I've, I would personally think that it's best just to contact you first and then you can give them the help. And tell us how they would contact you first. So you're located in the Little Street Car Park building or Pottery Green building. If you are having problems or you don't understand what you're supposed to do, come to us and um, we will actually guide you through it. So when COVID-19 hit, you and I had a lot to do with each other. <laughs> COVID um, basically meant that we had to completely redesign almost everything we did Uh, we and that was without a lot of guidance to be honest with you so we started um, from the big about the end of January when it first started to sort of like raise its head we actually had a staff member who was returning from China and there wasn't really that much guidance around what do you do so we then took Uh, a decision was that she should stay at home we would continue to pay her if she could work at home then that would be fine but she's a disability support worker so there's not a lot of things that she could do but the board very quickly made that decision that nobody at Sydney Community Services would be stood down 
Um, and so that meant that we had a whole load of um, staff who we were able to redeploy. So it might have been things like um, contacting individual people who might have normally come on groups. It might have been um, providing online shopping access for people that don't have online, but we could actually um, get them spots through Coles and Woolworths. It might have been just simply going around and doing the shopping for them. Um, a lot of it was just around um, providing comfort and contact for those people who were on their own. Um, having somebody they knew, i.e. from Sydney Community Services, ring them up and just say, are you actually all right? You know, what is it you need? Um, have you got someone you can talk to? Is someone doing your shopping? Um, then there were other services like Meals on Wheels where we are dependent on volunteers and... Uh, and we were a little bit worried because some of our volunteers are actually over 70, so they were kind of at risk. Uh, we were concerned that we wouldn't have enough people to deliver the meals. And in fact, that was an, un, you know, it was fine. The, the volunteers have been utterly brilliant. And we've made them jump through hoops as well. There's all sorts of training we've made them do. They've had to wear masks and whatever. The linen volunteers, um, that's the people that go in and change people's beds. Um, to begin with, we just thought that's a really that's a, that's a really intimate thing for someone to do because you get to go into somebody's home and into their bedroom. So initially what we did was we made arrangements to just leave clean, clean linen for those people who had a relative who could do, do it for them. And where there wasn't anybody, we actually sent the nurses in. So we have like um, five registered nurses who work at Sydney Community Services and two personal care workers. And we just added the linen service onto what they did because they could go in in full PPE. Um, and that worked brilliantly. Um, and so it's been things like that. It's just changing the way we did things. And because I was um, being inundated with people in Lane Cove because there's such a volunteering spirit, asking how could they help the vulnerable and the elderly. So you and I decided that the best thing was to introduce them to you because it was so much better for elderly or um, vulnerable people to have a volunteer organisation that had a, a brand name and people trust rather than just a very, very nice volunteer knocking at the door because that can be a little bit um, distressful. And we worked together to do food drives, get volunteers, and we also worked on getting um, some supplies for Delvina Women's Refuge. And can you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Delvina? Because it is great. So actually, Delvina, um, we've had a relationship with Delvina almost since I started. I've been actually in Lane Cove now nearly six years. I know. Um, but right at the beginning, I, uh, I don't know how it was, but I, I started talking to the coordinator at Delvina. And one of the first things was that she said that um, it was a real problem for them getting things. Um, people wanted to donate things, but they obviously don't want to give away the address because it's a really sensitive thing. Um, so I said, well, people can just donate and drop them off at us. So that's actually been what's happened ever since. So whenever anybody wants to donate or we ask for things like, you know, occasionally we've asked for televisions or whatever, um, they just donate them to us. At Christmas, we get inundated by um, toys and presents for children. Um, and the other thing we've been doing um, since COVID as well, because actually, I don't know, people probably don't realise, but Delvina's been full, mm. uh, absolutely full. 
Well, I know that one of the negative repercussions of COVID, one of the many negative ones, has been an uh, increase in domestic violence. That's, that's absolutely right. And in fact, um, the Delvina is run by an organisation called Manly Warringah Women's yes. Resource. And I know that they've had to open another house because of the demand. And, uh, and we were actually asked for, you know, nappies for newborns, which that kind of upset me a lot mm. um, to think about that. But um, so we were able to get uh, all sorts of um, donations for Delvina, specifically for babies and for the mothers. But one of the other things um, we were able to do was we were able to channel some of the, you know, amazingly do- um, generously donated food goods, you know, tins of, you know, tuna, tomatoes, pasta, you name it, we got it donated. Oh, heaps of toilet rolls. Right at the beginning, we were overwhelmed by toilet rolls. Um, But we were able to then, uh, you know, let Delvina, essentially the coordinator, just came in and we just said, take whatever you want. Mm. And the other thing we got was we had a very generous donation from Harris Farms. And um, they were sending... um, boxes of fruit and vegetables um, through the Hunters Hill office um, where there is a there has always been a food bank which is you know interesting um, uh, but there, a lot of the food the, the fruit and veg then came to us and so we were able to twice a week give Delvina a huge box of f- fresh fruit fresh vegetables and because it was from Harris Farms it was very good um so so yeah I think I think we're a sort of like a a sleeping partner with Delvina I would say every year we help um publicize in the cove helps promote the Sydney Community Services food drive and there's always a very festive shopping cart put in the bottom of Woolworths is that on again this year and what do we do so yes, this year we're we're going to partner with Woolworths. We'll put the cart at the bottom, and it will be covered in tinsel. And last year, I think we were emptying it about every other day, and people were so generous, and um, that was just brilliant because we do hampers for some of our clients and for some of the more disadvantaged people in Lane Cove, and we were able to you know add that to to the hampers. And it meant that people got lots of nice things like chocolates and special stuff. Jill, one of the major ways that you raise funds is through one of Lancove's much-loved institutions, the Village Observer. Now, the Village Observer had to take a break during COVID, as lots of publications did. It's back, bigger, brighter and better. And also, I've noticed it's available throughout Lancove. Can you just quickly tell us a little bit about about the TVO and um, where people can get it? Yes, so Village Observer is um, is actually owned by us through our foundation, um, and we used to distribute it door to door, but really that was quite expensive thing to do. And when we closed down, one of the things we had to do was look at the costs because advertisers, retail hasn't been doing too well. So it's been quite difficult to be able to marry up the costs with the production and also um, with the, you know, the quality issue, the standard that we really expect. So we have now gone to drop-off points and there are 43 drop-off points throughout Lane Cove and Greenwich and over at Hunters Hill. The main parts um, to to pick it up are really going to be at 
outside Coles and Aldi and at Woolworths. They're the main bins, but you can find them all over the place, at the shop, at the swimming um, pool, at the council. A lot of the coffee shops have taken it, news agents, the pharmacies. Um, if you can't find one or you want to know where your nearest point is, um, give us a ring on 94276425 and we'll tell you, or we can, um, you know, think about how we can get one to you. In the Cove, in the know. Now I'd like to welcome Paul Bennett um, to the ITC podcast. Now Paul and his wife Tootie are well-known, colourful local identities and I bet you that uh, you would know who Paul is because they dress beautifully and have been featured in international publications. So, hi, Paul. How are you? Oh, Jackie. So lovely to see you. And Robert, too. Look, I'm the main one here. Oh. <laughs> I'm what's known as second fiddle, but I've heard you've got a fiddle in your band, so that's not a bad thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I've been playing fiddle since I was uh, about 10, Uh I think the, the most lovely story about my fiddle playing is that my fiddle was given to me by my grandfather when I was 11 uh, because he, he had a second-hand shop in Brisbane. Uh, and it's a, it's a Roth. I mean, it's a really beautiful violin, not the sort of violin you'd give to an 11-year-old. But uh, what a legacy. I'm sure he didn't realise what a legacy that would be because I'm playing it to this very day. So that's the fiddle I play in uh, Lane Cove. And you play every Thursday outside Birdwood Cafe. Yes, every Thursday uh, from about 11 to 12.30. Uh, we just love it. We're a three-piece, uh, I guess you'd call us a crossover folk band uh, with fiddle, uh, double bass and guitar. My friend Ken Graneman is a guitarist, harmonica player, uh, writes the music very often, but we play a lot of covers as well. What's one of you that gets them toe-tapping at, at Burwood? Uh, a lot of local musicians, um, as well as, uh, you know, famous overseas musicians. We even play Adele, can you believe? Make You Feel My Love is, is the song that we play. We, so it's, it's quite eclectic, the kind of music, but uh, uh, we seem to be settling into, uh, if you like, a, a very nice... We play some, some rock as well, but it's mostly soft um, folk type music, which I think a lot of the locals are enjoying very much. We get a lot of good feedback from people who have their, their coffee at uh, Birdwood Cafe. It's great that a violin is getting played in a non-classical way. I love a bit of uh, folk violin and blues violin. I started uh, playing classical music uh, in Brisbane. Uh, interestingly, I had a, I had a teacher who was uh, at the time the uh, concertmaster of the Queensland Symphony, and he was a wonderful, wonderful violinist and not a good teacher. I mean, I think we, we have to understand that they don't necessarily go hand in glove, and so I think he was not terribly interested in what I was doing. Um, after years of uh, feeling a bit despondent, by that teaching, I actually went to the Queensland Conservatorium 
and had a wonderful teacher, Ladislav Jacek, uh, who, who would say to me, Paul, we will play Mozart violin number three. And that was like when I first arrived and I thought, wow, this guy. And it was so exciting for me that he had the faith in me to allow me to, to play such beautiful music. Uh, and as it turned out, I, I, uh, I topped the exams, my sixth grade exams for Queensland, yes. And that was really due, I mean, the point of that saying that is that it's all about the people who can give you the kind of encouragement to, so you can achieve your potential. That's what, that's what life is about, trying to do that for everyone. And uh, as fate would have it, I won a scholarship to study in London. I was already starting to uh, do design work in Brisbane, uh, but I won the scholarship to study in London. So I did a graphic design course in, at the London College of Printing way back when. Um, and then, of course, after that experience, I came back and Brisbane seemed just a little bit provincial. But what happened was that I then tried my luck in Sydney. I came to Sydney and uh, I actually, this, it's an amazing story, but it's the, it's a true story. I, I took my portfolio and I walked into uh, the Sydney Opera House and met uh, Mr. Brown there, who said, let's see your work. He looked at my work and he said, yeah, I think your work's great. He said, by the way, our designer is about to leave on maternity leave. Would you like to start Monday? And that's absolutely true what happened. So uh, I, went, I went straight from coming from Brisbane to Sydney and working uh, on Benelong Point doing the, uh, the concourse posters. Incredible thing about, about uh, working at Benelong Point is that you only ever looked up if it was the Queen Mary, you know, you didn't sort of, <laughs> you got a little blasé because the view was so amazing. Of course, uh, you know, I met my beautiful wife Tootie down here. We'd both just come back from overseas. And uh, I, I went to this, I had a girlfriend down here. I, I went to a big party and I saw Tootie across the crowded room. I actually looked over and I saw her standing head and shoulders above pretty much everyone there. And she had beautiful long hair, dark hair, all the way down her back. <laughs> and I went up to Tootie and I, and I said, I don't know who you are, but I've just got to take you out. Uh, she was there with her, her live-in boyfriend who had a chest like a slab of concrete. I mean, he was a bodybuilder so and uh, live-in boyfriend with Tootie. Uh, but even so, I mean, she did come out with me. We had the best first date anyone could ever have. Uh, we went to a little Spanish restaurant. It was downstairs, I remember, in George Street. And uh, we danced till the early morning. So we, we, we really hit it off. And a week later, Tootie said to her mother, you know, if mum, if I marry anybody, I'm marrying this guy. And that did happen. Well, you've certainly been Mr. Commitment. How long have you been married now? Well, we've been married 43 years, um, celebrated our 43rd uh, wedding anniversary in, uh, in February. And, uh, but we've been together 44 years. And so you, you're in Sydney, you're, you're eating Spanish at George Street, but how did you get to Lane Cove? We ran a business uh, called the Bennett Creative Group uh, and we started in uh, North Sydney, then we moved to St Leonard's. Uh, kids came along, Ceci came along. Uh, we had one sort of little tiny crib space for one child and, of course, when, when our second daughter, Sonia, uh, came along. We moved, so we moved to Marie Street, 
in Lane Cove. Uh, and then uh, as the kids got older, we, we then moved to where we are now in Coolaroo Road. Uh, and we've been there for all these years. So we're, we're, when we arrived, we were the youngsters. Now we're the, we're the oldies. Paul, I would describe you as a complete creative person. Any recommendations for people that are creative? Because you're a musician, you're an artist. How do you follow your dream? How do you follow your dream? Gosh, that's such a good question. I I think what one needs to do is simply be who you are. Um, And that does take courage. It often takes courage. There are all kinds of influences and pressures on people. There are prejudices. Uh, there are uh, ulterior motives and people can, can say some things to you but when they actually mean something else. Uh, and to, if you like, somehow uh, navigate through uh, what, are, what are very difficult obstacles very often to, to that point where you can say, yes, this is who I am and I'm proud of this and I'm just going to be this and I don't care what other people think. That's such good advice. Now... What we really want to hear about is that there is an exhibition that is opening at Gallery Lane Cove. And for those who don't know, there is in fact an art gallery in Lane Cove. You'd be surprised, people don't know. And it is across from the Lane Cove Library. And your exhibition is called Cloud Zones. And tell us a little bit about it. I've called it Cloud Zones and it really ties, if you like, my art in with my music because a lot of musicians understand what the zone is. And, I mean, I, I love that interview that, uh, that uh, Keith from the Rolling Stones once did and then an interviewer asked him, so tell me, Keith, uh, what do you think about when you play? And Keith said, I don't think, I feel. And, you know, that's really what, this, what the essence of my show is about because what I'm trying to do is somehow juxtapose this idea of the musician being in the zone with the idea of actually looking at clouds and just thinking higher thoughts. My whole show is geared towards an understanding of higher consciousness, of getting out of the mundane, if you like, if you like, the minutiae of what life is about. We live, we live a life of minutiae in the sense that we have to work We live in a society where one must make money to survive and so one's focus to a very large degree is on those, if you like, things that are necessary for existence uh, in, a, uh, if you like, uh, an economic environment. However, there's a part of our brain which loves to be free, which would love to be able to think higher thoughts to think about those things that are actually going to make one a better person, if you like. Uh, and that's what my show is about. I don't even call it a show. I'd call it an installation. Well, I've got 40 paintings. On, on top of the 40 paintings, all cloud paintings, I also have a, a cloud sculpture, uh, which I'm hoping to have in the forecourt of the gallery. And there are, I've also painted mannequins. There are freestanding four mannequins uh, painted, so I call them the cloud women. Uh, and there's also one wall-mounted cloud sculpture as well. In the centre of my show, I have a space which I'm calling the reflection zone. And I've actually created, if you like, a hexagonal space with chiffon walls that hang down. You walk into this space and you look up and there's a hexagonal painting that's going to be mounted on the ceiling. And it really just says, 
look up, make a wish, it's never too late. The show begins on, uh, the opening night is on the 9th of December. It runs two weeks prior to Christmas and then two weeks after Christmas. Uh, so I think I'll have a second launch. <laughs> Perfect opportunity. <laughs> Paul, you look like a man who likes to party, so I can imagine that two launches would be just down your zone. Well, I, I hope you'll come. Oh, I am coming. Uh, can people buy the paintings? Oh, absolutely. They're all for sale. I'm hoping that people will buy the paintings, not because they, they want a pretty picture on their wall, but because they want to, if you like, engage the philosophy behind what I'm trying to do, which is to raise consciousness. Uh, look, I really enjoyed those interviews. They reminded me of how special those three interviewees were. And we're looking forward to doing more interviews in the upcoming podcast series. So if you have any suggestions of any Lane Cove locals that you'd like to hear more of, please email us at info at that's right, Rob. We'd love to, to hear about some Lane Cove locals who are interesting and we'd love to interview them. Like all uh, podcasts, we'd like you to let us know what you think. So if you had a chance, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, please. That really helps. Give us a review. More importantly, let your friends know about us. Or if you listen to us on Spotify, same story. You can find us on all different places. Just put in the code podcast into the search engine, Google Podcasts. We pop up everywhere, Apple, Spotify, anywhere, or even just go to the good old-fashioned In The Cove website. That's right, Rob. You can. There's so many places that you can um, hear us on um, our podcast, but guess what? You can also... Uh, go to our website, inthecove.com.au, our Instagram and Facebook, both at In The Cove. And of course, you can also subscribe to our weekly news blast and the subscription form is on our website. So until we meet again, bye-bye. See you later. This podcast has been produced by localpodcasts.com.au. If your company or organisation needs a podcast, contact Rob. 0404289956